This is no, this is the Media Majors podcast. Stop singing! Stop singing with the beat. This is Media Majors. I'm Liam Senior. This is Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ! This is the this is the this is the theme. This is gonna be the theme of the podcast, and you are singing over it. Never. This is Media Majors. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Food Poisoning Majors. The They're not going to understand that. That's Now you're going to have to explain to them that you had nasty diarrhea. That's exactly what I'm about to do. I'm about to apologize, folks. Oh, no. I didn't have as much time to research this week because I was out of commish for the last two and a half days, shitting and puking my fucking brains out. He was puking out of his ass and shitting out of his mouth. It was monstrous. This is also a guest episode featuring... Oh, me. Hi, I'm hey, Jane. Hey, say your name. I'm Jane. This right. is Jane. Uh, Jane is a, a dear friend of mine. <laughs> I think I've said that word, dating. Uh, but sure. she also, in her spare time, runs a Pretty Little Liars parody Twitter account. Oh, God. We're promoting that. Sure. I'm just, I mean, as yeah, a thing. That's fair. I do do that. You said doo-doo. <laughs> uh, and she's going to tell us a story. In the middle of the episode. She's going to keep us up with the Kardashians. And you can't edit that joke out this time, you motherfucker. (laughs) I've said that four podcasts in a row. I'm going to tell the first story today. And again, apologies. I have no fluid in my body. So it's not going to be What about goof juice? Yeah, it's about goof juice. It's about diarrhea. No, it's No, do you have goof juice in your body? Because you said you're out of fluids. But you have goof juice, right? I I certainly do. It's about Kurt Schilling. Do, do either of you know who Kurt Schilling is? Taylor Schilling's dad. Kurt Schilling is a former Major League Baseball player. Actually, a quite accomplished one, turns out. I, I, I didn't know this either. He's a member of the 3000 strikeout, cl- strikeout Club. That's when you fuck a woman. And she doesn't mm. have an orgasm. Former Major League Baseball player Kurt Schilling is a member of the 3000 Strikeout Club and has the highest strikeout-to-walk ratio of any of its members. So he's a pitcher? Yes, a right-handed pitcher. Ooh. He's also a, a he's also a gamer, guys. <laughs> Which, red flag. That's not good. Wait, a jock and a nerd? <laughs> How could it be? <laughs> oh, my God, he took off his glasses. He's beautiful. So handsome now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Tom took off his glasses, and it just revealed <laughs> a smaller pair of glasses. <laughs> Tom, why are you wearing a smaller pair of glasses behind your glasses? He's a gamer and a fan and avid player of EverQuest 1 and 2. In 2006, he founded his own studio, Green Monster Games, eventually changing the name to 38 Studios in 2007. How many studios? 38. 38. In 2008, he announced that post-baseball retirement, his company would begin work on an MMORPG. Uh, that's a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Yes. This MMORPG would end up becoming the single-player game RPG Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. <laughs> oh, good, because I got it confused with Kingdoms of Amalur uh, 2 and Kingdoms of Amalur <laughs> Goes to Monaco. My favorite of the bunch. 38 Studios actually has a decent pedigree. It pulled Travis uh, McGeethy who was the former lead of the designer. Hamilton McGeethys? Yes. No, he was the former lead desire designer for the original EverQuest, which is like for any listeners unaware, EverQuest is like the fucking OG. It is the fucking OG of MMORPGs. This is like before World of Warcraft. 
where just like literally everything was a pain in the ass and it was such a pain in the ass and everybody was such a giant fucking asshole to everybody <laughs> that the people who played that game have like the strongest bond it was like going to war it was like going to war but online they also purchased developer big huge games those games are big and they're huge from THQ when the publisher was uh, undergoing financial struggles. This was not when THQ was uh, having their bankruptcy issue, which is for another episode. But, yeah, THQ was struggling at one point, and so 38 Studios purchased the developer and the development team from Big Huge Games. Here's my first note. You have 38 Studios? Cut 37 of them. You need one studio. (laughs) In July of 2010... And this is where shit gets popping. The Rhode Island Economic Development Corporation, EDC for short. The EDC approved a loan of... Here's the fun part. Uh, I'm so bad at this game. Guess how much money. Okay. Good song. How much money... How much of a... This was a loan. It was a loan to a game development studio from a a literal state. So how much money do you think these fools got? Twelve dollars. Twelve. Let's. Okay. I'm prices writing this. (laughs) Okay. Thirteen dollars. Seventy five million dollars. Listen, I did not account for tax and inflation. (laughs) Had I known six million dollars would have turned into seventy five. I just didn't do all the math. Yeah. She forgot her green visor. So this was not totally pro bono in return. 38 Studios moves its base to Massachusetts from wherever its initial base was, uh, which means that all of it, because this is not an online company operating through Slack or some online office space like that, it means that every single one of its employees picks up their lives and moves to Rhode Island. The company begins work simultaneously on two different games, Kingdoms of Amalur, which I've spoken about, and a second title, codenamed Copernicus. Kingdoms of Amalur comes out in 2012, and to be honest with you, even though it's a real bland RPG, it's it's like a good game. It's like a well-constructed game. There was clearly some talent and effort put into this. But, what's this? 38 Studios just declared bankruptcy. Oh, no. Mm. But you need money to make stuff. (laughs) Don't tell that to Donald Trump. Uh, 38 Studios actually knew that this was coming. Knew that they couldn't pay the staff, but encouraged them to continue coming to work. Yeah, because they have 37 (laughs) studios they don't need. Initial concerns over the financial situation at the studio rose when... uh, they failed to repay another loan. The studio failed to repay another loan, some $1.125 million, and the check bounces to insufficient funds. Uh-oh. Yikes. Financial troubles continue as things get shadier. <gasps> the initial bounce check is paid at 100000 from an anonymous source. So, 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 like, with all loans, you pay them back in increments. So, the 100000 so, so, they didn't even have a, a fucking hundo G's to pay back these folks. And then a quote-unquote anonymous source pays for a game development studio, which is not only unheard of, but incredibly unlikely. And also, mm-hmm. I feel like something bad is going to happen. Because there's no such thing as free money. Exactly. Except for those $12 I found on the streets of Philadelphia. And alchemy. And alchemy. Nobody comes out of this story a winner. 
We do because we're alchemists. The CEO and senior VP of product development leave the company, and the official declaration of bankruptcy happens on May 24th, 2012. The entire staff, the entire staff of 379 people get laid off. That's a lot of people, such as such as life and game development. Schilling goes public with his story on Boston radio station, W-E-E-I, short for Weenus, and says that he personally funded much of the studio with his, quote, personal fortune. Another quote. I'm tapped out, he says. I'm playing tapped out. The Simpsons <laughs> tapped out. <laughs> Gotta play more I'm tobacco. Play, <laughs> Prior to this radio appearance, he calls on developers to, quote, Tell the untold side of this nightmare. There you go. All right, sure. And shit all over Kurt Schilling. Literally. Even the former CEO, Jennifer McLean, trashes him. <laughs> so people might be asking, how did this happen? How could this have possibly happened? Well, let's let's look at the possible reasons of the failure. Meteor. Ice Age. Disease. HIV. AIDS. Cocaine. Marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> Women. Obama. Just, just a bunch of gay titles. Wait, was this during the Obama administration? The Jurassic period? Of Thanks, Obama. Well, in an interview with uh the the in an interview with Boston magazine, Schilling actually explicitly pointed fingers at Rhode Island government governor Lincoln Chaffee claiming a political agenda, never quite qualifying what that agenda was. <laughs> You might have seen Kurt Schilling in the news recently. The name sounds familiar. Well, because he makes a bunch of really fucking super ignorant tweets. He made some really ignorant tweets, the most recent of which was saying that the the train crash was... He said it was, I bet it's terrorism, but if it's not, if I or quote, if I'm wrong, then that's cool. This man has also uh, run for political office if i'm not mistaken again i want to stress i've been shitting for like three days straight i haven't done as much research as i would have liked but reasons for the failure one kingdoms kingdoms of amalur i'm like hey way to make the most generic rpg of all time and name it the most generic name of all time way to go guys amalur more like amabor there was no marketing like none this is not this is not a problem with 38 studios this is a general problem with games that bothers the fucking shit out of me game marketing is is some of the worst marketing in the game Mm. also and most importantly shilling is a baseball player this is a vanity project for him. He has no fucking idea how game development works. Kurt Schilling assumed that game development was this work hard, play hard situation where uh, he he thought that you could that that game development was like a work fourteen days in a row and then take five days off, which is not what game development is. No, no, you at work all. nine months and then you work another nine months and then you wonder where the time went. And then you work another nine months. <laughs> uh, fortunately, this idea was never instituted, but it's an indication of the attitude that Schilling went into this this project. I mean, he 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 initially approached this this concept with his wife's uncle. This was like, hey, like I'm a rich white guy. You're a rich white guy. Let's get together and make a game development studio. What could go wrong? You make my wife feel uncomfortable at Christmas parties. I make your wife feel uncomfortable at Christmas parties. And they shook hands. Let's start a hedge fund. (laughs) 
also rather as far as funding went rather than go for a stock option approach like you know any business does he initially went for a 50 50 split situation it's not clear who how the 50 50 was getting distributed like whether it was kurt who would get 50 and like all the other publishers would get the other 50 split amongst or not the publishers funders would get the other 50 split amongst them or if the 50 that that would go to the game development company like it's not clear this guy did not think this out well and was also again also eventually convinced that this is fucking stupid he also allocated a ton of money uh 705 million about towards company perks like cars and entertainment and, and food and such which is like super dope but if 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 you're running a business in game development, in the game development scene, $705 million for employment amenities is a ridiculous amount of money. It's a ridiculous amount of money. And the end result is that Rhode Island files a lawsuit. The state of Rhode Island. The state. To be granted, they're the smallest state. Files a lawsuit against Kurt Schilling. I'm going to make you guess again. He settles the suit. How much of the 7.5 or the 75 rather the 75 million do you think Rhode Island got back $12 2.5 million they couldn't charge him with criminal negligence even if even if there were plenty of reasons that this went south for this man uh and this company rather and he was not prepared to head or lead a game development company and also, fuck this guy. He's like an uber conservative pundit now. Uh, yeah, he's like one of those former sports stars that has like a conservative radio show and tweets conservative politics and is just like generally an asshat. And at some point, uh, when I'm not shitting all the time, I might or I'm going to go back and maybe revise the story to pull a little more information from the lawsuit and such. But that's where my story ends for now. Before we get to Jane's story, though, we have to do, you know, gotta, gotta pay the rent around here. Gotta, yeah. Tom? Taxman coming. Taxman's a coming. I gotta say, though, Tom, you're looking a little frail there, buddy. Liam and Jane. Liam and Jane, did you know that the human body is 95% water? I did. Mm -hmm. Because I vomited out. 90% of that 95%. And I'm not smart enough to do the math on that. But that's why I look like the Benjamin Button old man baby. I'm withered and frail. And if you were to so much as flick me, I would I would shatter into millions of hurtful shards. Hurtful shards? Yes. So, I, I mean, I guess the question I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm asking is, but Tom, are you hungry? I'm so hungry! Because you've been shitting your brains out the past three days. I'm finally ready to take food back into my body. But are you worried that, like, the food you get isn't spicy enough? Actually, yes. This is a real, a real ass life concern of mine. Do you feel uncomfortable buying your food from real stores? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know if they're going to have any deplorables working there. Are you afraid of packaging? I'm petrified. A cardboard cut killed my brother. It's <gasps> like a paper cut, but it'll cleave it'll cleave a human being in twain. Are you afraid of real brands like Pepperidge Farm and Lay's? 
Always, you can they're identify? in my computer, and they have cameras in my dressers. Well, luckily, we've got the product for you. It's called Sully's Sacks of Plenty. And now what it is, is you send out your email, your address. What you do is you send in your address to an email that we'll put in the, in the blog post. And once a month, an old fat guy from Boston will just leave you a sack of whatever he could find in his Dodge Dart, in the cushions of his Dodge Dart. And we're talking change, we're talking snacks. Lint. Lint, and we're talking no plastic wrapping. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe a little money you can put in the bank. Excellent source of fiber. Excellent source of fiber. He's not Sully. His name is Mort. That's Mort, the delivery guy. The man who owns this company is... None yeah, other than Sully from Monsters Inc. That's right, folks. Mm-hmm. Pixar's Pixar's Pi- real. Yeah, and Sully Sullenberger. He flew the monster from Pixar flew the plane into the Hudson. Mm-hmm. But that's not important right now. Uh, you know what I didn't lose though? Some of the great flavors and smells and sights I got from opening my plastic garbage bag from Sully and Mort. What sort of smells and sights, Liam? Uh, there was a used flip flop, which was a lot tastier than you'd imagine. There was some oops all berries, just the berries. Just some wood chip squares. <laughs> some wood chip squares. A uh, lot of lint. Mm-hmm. And a couple of Canadian pennies. Some loose hair. I hear if you order special, it comes, with the, instead of packaging peanuts, it's Dippin' Dots. <laughs> yep. You see, what they don't tell you is that Sully and Mort are also the owners of Dippin' Dots. Yeah, Mike Dip and <laughs> Sully, Sully Dot. Dot. There used to be Fred in that worked with them, but they but kicked he, him he, out of the they, company. They kicked him out. And, uh, he, That's next week's media matrix. He started Briars. But and yeah. They, and they've murdered Ben and Jerry and taken their places. Ben and Jerry are long dead. They slept inside them like tauntauns. But basically, yeah, you get a plastic bag filled mostly with vanilla Dippin' Dots, the ice cream that's neither edible nor fun. <laughs> and you get to basically, it's whatever is in his Dodge that day, you get to keep. Well, that sounds like a fantastic deal. Well, if you use the promo code MEDIUMATRES, Mort will promise to give me back my family. Listen, sometimes he'll go to Arby's and only eat, like, half of it, and then he'll toss you the scraps, and it's great, because they have curly fries. And then you get, like, the three cold, curly fries. tiny curly fries. You get three cold, mushy curly fries. And then you'll have the same diarrhea that I've been having for three Don't days. you want Tom's diarrhea? Do yourself a favor. <laughs> log on. Buy Tom's diarrhea at tomsdiarrhea.com. No, go, to, go to tomsdiarrhea.com. We're selling Tom's diarrhea. Yeah, fuck Sully's sack. Fuck Sully's sack. If you want my diarrhea, message me, and I'll poop with a goddamn bag for you and put it at your doorstep. Jane. I hear you're going to be keeping us Are you up really going to use that joke again? How oh many God. times? I'm more going to Chloe and Kim take Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm not talking about either of them, really. I'm talking yeah. about uh, their mom, Kris Jenner. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, are you going to be keeping us up with the Jenner? <laughs> oh, yeah, I really? am. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a show next really? year. Really? Ugh. I'm offended to be friends with both of you. It's weird that they are very much divorced and she is keeping the name. Yeah, it's hers now. I guess. All right, so Kristen Mary Howen, now known as Kris Jenner, has spent her life turning obstacles into opportunities. Are you trying to sell us Kris Jenner? A little bit! Oh, boy. Ever since she was born to a single mother and became a flight attendant, 
She the, has been in charge. The, the, oh my god. <laughs> her divorce from Robert Kardashian was ugly. Her credit cards were canceled. She was alienated. Well, all of them? Yeah. Even the MasterCard? Mm-hmm. What about the Amex? Mm-hmm. The Discover card? She doesn't even know where that one is. Oh my god. Did she check the couch? <sighs> she lost the couch. Oh my god, Jade, Tom killed himself. <laughs> Robert took the couch. But yeah, Tom, no. Tom, wait. I just told you that Tom killed himself and you're still going on with the story. Fine. Continue. Kris Jenner kept going on even after Robert Kardashian died. <laughs> well, he didn't kill himself. Mm. Unless you count disease. As <laughs> Conspiracy like... theory. All right. She was alienated for her friends and developed a serious depression. By her late 20s, she was already a divorced mother of four without a college education and burdened by a huge amount of media attention following the murder of her close friend, Nicole Brown Simpson. I thought you said without a college education or a bird or bike. And I was like, (laughs) not without a bird or bike. They wouldn't let her into Portland. No, (laughs) those are the two things you need. All right. Following the murder of her close friend, Nicole Brown Simpson, whose husband and likely murderer, OJ, he did it. A legend. Was defended by Robert Kardashian. She got no money in the divorce. David Schwimmer. <laughs> Alright, when she married her hus- her second husband, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, she took initiative of their finances by personally putting together press kits and contacting speakers' bureaus. Uh, as she said, it was a mix of blood, sweat, and tears, enthusiasm, determination, and just never sleeping to gain the word out there. She said, If you add a little bit of slow gin, that's a Mickey Mantle. <laughs> Soon after she took over Bruce's career, they received calls from Coca-Cola and Visa. Uh, the then- not that Coca-Cola and Visa. The, then- the lawnmower salesman. They worked their way up. The then Bruce felt lost after the Olympics and didn't know where to go with his career. She helped him launch a series of inspirational speeches and home workout videos that she starred in. She became his manager while having two more of his kids, Ken- uh, Kendall and Kylie Jenner, and began their empire. Does Tyga appear in this story? Uh, no, that's next Thank week. fucking God. No, it isn't. <laughs> flash forward to 2007, when a sex tape... Do I have fr- to flash back to 2007? <laughs> well, from where I was. In- <laughs> okay. Oh, what? Jane is a fourth dimensional being who sees time Ooh, as non-linear. time lord. All right, in 2007... <laughs> Don't even watch Doctor Who. When a sex tape from 2003... Why would you even? <laughs> <laughs> it's been on forever. No, thank you. People don't realize that the sex tape was four years old. It was really unrelevant. Entitled Kim K Superstar of Chris daughter Kim Kardashian and what rapper Ray J was released. What you get on the 5th anniversary of your sex tape? Is it wood? That, I didn't mean to do that. A lawsuit. I didn't mean to do that, everybody. Nice low-hanging fruit I there, didn't buddy. mean to do that. Ugh, I swear I didn't. I knew you were going to sabotage us. Yeah, what? Right. Have you not? Seriously? Read you the iTunes description. I know that's does. what you do. <laughs> Alright, so by the time <laughs> the sex tape was released... Uh, Chris was already in talks with Ryan Seacrest to develop a reality show about the family, but she wasn't unsure. To, she was unsure what to do. Chris decided to help sue to help Kim sue the company who released the tape, tape winning five million in a settlement. She explained, "You can either be a problem maker or a problem solver, and I'm a problem solver. My job is to take care of the problem, whatever it is. I had to cry and get upset in privacy of my own room, and then come out and help her because she's my daughter. What good is it for me to braid her? All I knew is that I had to make some lemonade out of these lemons fast, real fast. My job was trying that's, to. T- that's a horrible thing to call your daughter's breasts. My job was trying to make my kids fifteen minutes and turn them into thirty. But make lemonade, she did, Chris Jenner. Uh, if I can just say, <laughs> it is pretty impressive how oh, this just woman who, no offense to her, but was just like, no one in particular uh, uh, until... Yeah, that's what my story is. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's impressive. I'm Jesus. Kidding. No, I'm saying, yeah, that's my argument. Uh, Good, because we, because unfortunately we have O.J. Simpson here to debate you. 
<laughs> they were friends. All right. Chris manages the career of all six of her children, originating with daughter Kim since the mid-2000s. Early on, she helped her daughters open three original boutiques, often working in-store and handling the business side themselves. Was it Paul's Boutique? No, it was called Dash, and then they opened one for kids that was called something really, like, dumb. I think it's it was called like... Harmony Corrin's first movie. I know it wasn't Squirt, but I want to think it was Wait, Squirt. Squirt? It definitely wasn't, but I want to believe it was. Wait, Squirt, like, when a woman shoots blood plasma out of her vagina? Or yeah. Squirt, like... Is that what that is? Apparently. No one actually knows. Science it's doesn't... It's piss. It's, it's, it's piss. Or, 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 if they don't have to pee, they put water up there, and then... The trick is when they're they push on the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I know a but lot about. But there is porn. a real. Don't thing. worry about it. There is a real fit. Like squirting is a real thing, and what is? Oh they, yeah, like, it is. Don't really real know thing. what it is, but the closest thing they can say is that it is blood plasma. All right. While the Kardashian family has been countlessly described as famous for being famous, they have had ventures into modeling, acting, designing, advocating, writing, producing, and about a million other enterprises. When Ryan Seacrest finally agreed to send a crew along with the producer to take a short reel of the family during a barbecue, the producer called Ryan after 10 minutes on the way home and said, "We They have- mugged me! They stole everything I had and left me in a ditch in Arizona! I bought a payphone! A lizard and a credit card. <laughs> He called Ryan and said, we have a show. This is going to be amazing. He was watching a DVD of King of Queens. (laughs) Keeping up with the Kardashians is now gearing up for an 11th season and is broadcasted in over 160 countries. If you run all the episodes back to back, the time totals nearly 147 days. And if you put that time as a ladder, you could get to the moon and back six times. All right, Kris Jenner personally trademarked the term momager back in 2012. She has scored countless deals with companies from Skechers to Carl's Jr. and helped launch the family's own products from the Sears Kardashian. Hey, Tom, we're going to edit this whole part out, right? Really? No. Oh, I was like, I can skip a paragraph. <laughs> from the Sears Kardashian collection to signature socks, that's right, Rob Jr. has his own signature sock line, to personal fragrances to lucrative- They're called Jr.'s feet. To lucrative video game deals estimated to bring in two hundred million annually. That is true. I'm sure, yeah. Tom, as I'm sure you know, the Kim Kardashian game rakes in a buttload of money. Well, that's like for the, all the. Oh whole my god, family. I didn't even re- buttload. Well, that was fun. Okay, that's one part of the story. But Kim did get a bucks ra- a, be- a butt X ray on TV. No, 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 a bucks ray. <laughs> a bucks ray, and proved that her butt was real for all the disbelievers. No, I believe. I just thought buttload. I, I just think that was a cute accident yeah. that happened. To this, like, like Tom. To this day, each of Chris's children are millionaires. Kim Kardashian, as of 2015, was estimated to be worth. I was more. gonna say like me, but I was like, nah, I feel Tom under the bus. <laughs> was estimated to be worth an 85 million. Chloe 25 million. Courtney 20 million. Kendall six. Kylie five. And Rob 2.75 million. What an ass. As she's, uh, Chris quoted, it doesn't mean that we're always looking for more or that we're greedy. There's a lot of people that have great ideas and dreams and whatnot, but unless you're willing to work really, really hard and work for what you want, it's never going to happen. And that's so, what's so great about the girls. It's all about their work ethic. Yeah, poor people. Just pull up your bootstraps. It'll come out on top. At age 55, Chris Jenner began experiencing bladder control issues, experiencing frequent urination and leakage. She spent weeks trying to ignore and deny the situation, not letting Keeping Up with the Kardashians air footage of her running off to the bathroom or experiencing any accidents. Her family members, particularly daughter Chloe, teased her constantly for this, ordering her to see a doctor or buy some diapers. Mm. Chris emotionally revealed after- Buy it a nickel. 
after weeks, her embarrassment at having a quote-unquote old people problem and fear about what the doctors may tell her, especially knowing that she'd given vaginal childbirth to six children in her lifetime. Ma'am, your vagina looks like an absolute war zone. <laughs> She explained to her daughters, I feel like I'm- It looks like the San Andreas vault is split open. That's what the movie San Andreas is about. No, it isn't. She explained to her daughters- No, it fucking isn't. It's about Dwayne Johnson stuck in a helicopter for a whole movie. Yeah, escaping Chris Jenner's <laughs> vagina. I can, the thing doesn't go fast enough! Fast and Furious 9. She explained to her daughters, I feel like I'm being betrayed by my own body, and eventually did see a doctor who diagnosed her with- Meanwhile, there's like a gaffer with fucking cancer (laughs) sitting in the back of her, like, I'm gonna fucking murder you. I feel like I'm being betrayed by my own body, and eventually saw a doctor who diagnosed her with light bladder leakage, a condition one in three women suffer from. Following her (laughs) diagnosis- What? It's a serious thing! It sucks that women are pissing themselves. It's so fucking also, funny. Also, it's it also older called, women, obviously. Listen, we're all going to get old, and we're all going to piss and shit ourselves, and our skin's going to fall off, and we're going to die. Our skin's going to fall we're gonna off, die. and our eyes are going to turn red, and we're all going to start worshipping the blood god Zodar, and it's going to be cool, okay, everybody? Just calm down. Not but Chris calm. Jenner, who will never die. All right, but here's really where she shines. <laughs> Following her diagnosis- The crotch area of her metallic pants that she just pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Following her diagnosis, Chris took advantage of the situation by personally reaching out to Poise, a company who makes pee pads. She signed an en- <laughs> endorsement deal worth millions of dollars with them, and the resulting ad campaign featured photos of her presented as Rosie the Riveter. Uh, she made quite a splash, didn't she? <laughs> I highly suggest everyone go and look up the photo shoot of Chris Jenner as Rosie the Riveter advertising poise pee pads. Man, she just... And then proudly using them on the she show. She really just had a straight flush with this. <laughs> oh, and that was that was the end of the story? Yeah, no, I mean... I mean, the thing is, if I wanted to tell you everything about... Well, I'll be honest, potty me thinks that this is a pretty great story, but the other potty me thinks that I could keep doing these puns all day. Of course you could. I was uh, going to do a whole thing about how Chloe's dad is uh, probably Todd Waterman, a former soccer player and animator, but... I, I, I really want to tell the pee story. <laughs> if you, Look ladies, ladies, media majors, audience members, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. If exclusively, if you ever start pissing yourself, follow in Chris Jenner's footsteps. Make millions of dollars off it. What pee the fuck else lemonade. are you gonna do? Pee exactly. into lemonade. Well, Jane, thank you so much for keeping us up with the Kardashians. You're a pissant. You're Tom. extremely welcome. Liam, do you have a story for us? Fuck yeah, I do. Liam, what is your story about? Tell me. Roscoe Conkling Arbuckle was born in Smith Center, Kansas, on March 24th, 1887. Uh, The Arbuckles moved to Santa Ana, California in the autumn of 1888. End of story. That's it. Hope you guys (laughs) liked it. They moved to California and everything was sunny. In 1899, Roscoe's mother, Molly, died. He was shortly thereafter abandoned by his father. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Peace. Later, dude. Dad, her body's not even in the ground yet. Dad. Bye. <laughs> he he caught the attention of like people who were trying to run vaudeville shows when he was singing while cooking, and he became a vaudeville singer and dancer. In 1904, he joined the Pantages Theater Circuit, and he began touring the American West Coast. Um, let's see. He married his first wife. Minta Dufree, a singer that he had fallen in love with. 
and they traveled all over the world together. Um, in 1913, Roscoe decided to dry his look as Keystone. Uh, films had suddenly come into vogue, and since Roscoe had experience working uh, on stage, he decided to give it another try. A lot of uh, vaudeville people would go into television and, and movies, um, uh, but this was, of course, you know, very, very early on in the vaudeville, so they went into the silent pictures. Uh, starting with the gangsters in 1913, Roscoe quickly became one of the most popular figures at Keystone. Uh, oh, this is really cool. In A Noise from the Deep, Arbuckle became the first film comedian to be hit in the face with a pie. OG. Nice. 1913. I, I mean, sorry, not 1913. It's unknown when that is, apparently. <laughs> uh, he could throw them, too, and he had the ability to throw <laughs> two pies in different directions at the same time. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You're telling me yeah, yeah, yeah. the same guy... Fatty Arbuckle. Had the that ability... That was his name. Fatty Arbuckle. To be big guy. hit with a pie... But he could also throw pies? Your sarcasm will just end up being edited out to keep the story moving. So. I don't, I'm being sincere. I'm going to sign him. In early 1914, Charles Spencer Chaplin, also known as Charlie Chaplin, was hired to replace comedian Fred Sterling, who left the studio. Uh, Chaplin borrowed Roscoe's pants and just like that became a Keystone favorite overnight because it's the guy with the pants that are too big for him. Uh, that was his big thing. And then, after Chaplin arrived, Roscoe started to direct his uh, own films. He was the first person to ever do that, to direct his own films. And then uh, Chaplin left Keystone, so they parted ways, and Roscoe teamed up with Mabel Norman, and they created the Fabian Fatty and Mabel series, which was super huge. Uh, <laughs> but she left the studio, and the studio head, who was her husband, was having an affair. <laughs> so having increasing creative control over his pictures, Roscoe moved his stock company. Uh, which consisted of him, Minta, Al, and Roscoe's dog, Luke, who was so talented, who was so talented, the dog received a, sal a salary of 150 a week. Yeah, so then Keystone was kind of breaking up, and Roscoe was ready to move into independent production. He ended his marriage, and then something fucking crazy happened. In late 1916, Joseph Schneck offered Roscoe a deal he couldn't refuse. $1,000 a day, 25% of profits, and complete creative control of his films. Something that you could easily, very easily not get today. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, almost impossible to ever get. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like, all of the slapstick was causing some physical ailments. He, was, he had a carbuncle developed on his leg. Listen, I know that me and Tom know what a carbuncle is, but for all the viewers who definitely don't. Yeah. Uh, listen, guys, I know that we all know what a carbuncle is. But I just want to make sure... Is it a barnacle that drives a car on you? That'd be cute. Uh, carbuncles form when one is or more hair follicles... Is it a racist follicle... slur? Yeah, against white people. It says it's a cluster of boils. It's a it's when one or more hair follicles get infected, so it's like a cluster of... Uh, and then it's filled with pus, grows larger and more painful until, it rup until they rupture and drain. Oh, well, there's definitely, 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 like, a YouTube video of... Largest carbuncle surgery. And then people can get fevers and chills associated with it. Roscoe had to lose 80 pounds and get this carbuncle removed. He became addicted to the morphine. That Wait, I'm getting. sorry. Did it say how he lost 80 pounds? Surgery. Oh. It was the surgery on the carbuncle. It was yeah. an 80 pounds. It's the first. It's the, f it's the second YouTube video. First is my day at the zoo. Second is Fatty Arbuckle's Carbuncle Spectacle. <laughs> oh, God. If we named episodes... That would be the name of this. And it's like really comical music. Mm-hmm. You don't name the pus. 
Well, we just name them what the stories are. Oh, right. Yeah, that's not like a fun name like we do with Shmanime. No worries. Um, so yeah, he did a bunch of great comedy films. He had the Comic Banner, and he basically gave Buster Keaton his first writing job. A 20-year-old Buster Keaton joined his writing staff and would like help write and co-wrote a lot of the pictures. Um, so just, like, he helped set up Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. I just think that's so fucking cool. That's fucking great, yeah. Um, so Chaplin was going into retirement in 1918, so, like, Fatty Arbuckle is now the big, big thing. Um, in December 1990, oh my god, this is insane. Uh, the deal he ends up getting is ridiculous, but we're not there yet. Okay, so... In 1919, in 1919, Schneck presented a new plan. Roscoe would be moved from shorts into features, so feature-length films. This was the first male slapstick performer to ever make it through. So progressive. But listen to this. Paramount's Adolf <laughs> Zucker, 1914, or 1919, uh, sweetened the deal by offering Arbuncle a million dollars a year contract. Yo, boy! Those are some fucking. Those are some fat dollars. Yeah, for fat Arbu- fatty Arbuckle. Um, fat stacks for fatty. Unfortunately, Arbuckle would find that, much like Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. Actually, Biggie Small said, "Mo money, mo problems." Liam. Oh, he was talking about his attorneys, Mo Money and Mo Problems oh. of Problems and Money Incorporated. Uh, Virginia Rap or Rappe. I'm just gonna uh, Rappe was born July 7th, 1895. She was an American model and silent film actress. She worked mostly in best bit parts and unfortunately is best known for her death after attending a party where Roscoe Arbuckle was accused of her death. How'd he do it? How'd he uh, do that chicken? We're gonna do it. We're gonna get into well, it. Well, did he write a book called How I Would Have Done Her Death? Well, it was in the 1900s, so he had if a, I he had a sonograph, uh, fuck, a sonograph called If I Slain the Lady in Question, Yes, Sir. It was very stabbed her. So basically, this was a girl who was kind of a nobody, but she became a model, and she had like small parts. She's very pretty. I was saying she had smallpox. Yep, she had smallpox. She was beautiful, as everyone knows. But unfortunately, like she married a famous producer and did a bunch of his films, and like did had a popular song and all this stuff, and none of that is really remembered. All that is remembered is that she died at Fatty Arbuckle's Can I just party. interrupt you? I'm doing what you said not to do and looking at your story. Yeah, so then don't interrupt me. <laughs> it's not ahead of what you said, though. It's something you didn't address. What? Uh, that she was in a, in a film called Punch of the Irish. Yeah. What about that? Sounds like this, a good movie. What, what do we think that was about? I'm going to guess it, it, was a, it was a racist caricature of my people. So in 1921, Arbuckle signed a three-year contract with Paramount for $1 million. It's unheard of at the time. To celebrate, he decided to celebrate with a party. And he, Arbuckle and a couple of friends drove up from L.A. to San Francisco on Saturday, September 3rd, 1921, for a Labor Day weekend revelry. Arbuckle and friends checked into the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco. They were on the 12th floor in a suite that contained rooms 1219, 1220, and 1221. Uh, on September 5th, the party started early. Arbuckle greeted visitors in his pajamas and through this... And although this was during Prohibition, large quantities of liquor were being drunk. Wait, are you telling me that rich, white, affluent Hollywood actors somehow managed to circumvent the U.S. government during Prohibition and drink alcohol? Only that one time. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so somebody else at this party, 
was Virginia Rapp, the actress we talked about earlier. Now, there are two... So, around 3 o'clock, Arbuckle retired from the party in order to get dressed to go sightseeing with a friend. What happened in the following 10 minutes is disputed. So, this is Arbuckle's version. Arbuckle says that when he retired to his room to change clothes, he found Rapp vom Rappay vomiting in his bathroom. He then helped clean her up and led her to a nearby bed to rest. Thinking she was just overly intoxicated, he left her to rejoin the party. When he returned to the room just a few minutes later, he found Rapp on the floor. After putting her back on the bed, he left the room to get help. When others entered the room, they found Rapp tearing at her clothes, uh, something that like people said she would do when she was drunk, and party guests tried a number of strange treatments, including covering Rapp with ice, but she still wasn't getting any better. Eventually, the hotel staff was contacted, and Rappé was taken to the hospital. Um, three days later, she was like really sick. She died of, I think, what's called periantitis. Hey, Liam. Yeah? For those of us who might not know what parotmentitis is could you perhaps elaborate it's an on infectious and often life life-threatening it's caused by leakage or a hole in the intestines such as a burst appendix uh, or bladder this one was caused by a ruptured bladder oh uh so oh she died gosh. and then arbuckle was soon arrested and charged with the murder of virginia rappe i feel like you're stealing my story <laughs> a little bit the papers went wild with the story. Some articles stated Arbuckle had crushed Rappé with his weight, but other, while others said he had raped her with a foreign object, and this was, went into really graphic detail, and the most common was that he raped her with a Coke bottle. Uh, in newspapers, Arbuckle was assumed guilty, and Rappé was, was an innocent young girl. Um, they excluded... I mean, okay, I don't... I agree with this. They excluded that she had, like, histories of numerous abortions. I got a lot of this information from a pro-Fatty Arbuckle website. But it is, it is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. I mean, she, she died of parentitis. She had a ruptured bladder. Oh, so it's just parentitis. Yeah, but yeah. That, that is how Her she died. Her bladder ruptured. With the scandal at the front page news in almost every newspaper, it was difficult to get an unbiased jury. The first Arbuckle trial began in November 1921 and charged Ar Arbuckle with manslaughter. The trial was thorough and Arbuckle took the stand to share a side of the story. The jury was hung with the 10 to 2 vote for acquittal. Because it ended with a hung jury, they had to try him again. The defense did not present a very thorough case in this one, and Arbuckle didn't take the stand. And they were again deadlocked in a 10-2 vote for conviction, so the other way around. Oh. The third trial, which began in March 20, uh, 1922, the defense again became pro proactive. Arbuckle testified, repeated his side of the story. Um, the, main prosecution, the main prosecution witness had escaped house arrest and left the country. I think that'll show you that <laughs> this wasn't a super well thought out case. And then for the trial, the jury deliberated for only a couple minutes and came back with a verdict of not guilty. Additionally, the, jur the jury wrote an apology to Arbuckle. Acquittal is not enough for Roscoe Arbuckle. We feel that a great injustice has been done to him. We feel also that it was our only plain duty to give him this exoneration. There was not the slightest proof adduced to connect him in any way with the commission of a crime. Uh, he took it with, like, he, like, accepted it very gracefully. Like, he just let it, let it slide off of him. Unfortunately, as things tend to do, he was blacklisted, and his days in performance were kind of coming. <gasps> is this what blacklist is about? No. Um, mm. James Bader plays Fatty Arbuckle. Arbuckle. That'd be great. Uh, Johnny, jo Johnny, John Candy was supposed to play Fatty Arbuckle in a movie about his but as we know he read a cursed screenplay and fucking died yeah. because of this scandal hollywood established a self-pleasing organization known as the hayes office and will hayes who is the president of it like just banned arbuckle from filmmaking for like 
uh, eight months and then lifted the ban, but didn't matter. So what did happen? Well, he was set up by a Vino woman named Ma Delmont, also known as Madam Black. Delmont would provide girls for parties and then have the girl claim she was raped by a prominent director or producer. Concerned about his career, the victim would submit to Delmont's request for money to keep the story out of the press. Rapay was one of her girls, and when she had died days after the party from a condition unrelated to the event, Delmont gave Fatty Arbuckle's name to the police. And she was the one that came up with the Coke bottle theory. Oh, shit. Oh, wait, so the girl died, like, a couple days after? She died three days after the party of, a, of like, a disease of, like, a ruptured bladder Letter. that she got unrelated to what had happened. Mm-hmm. And this woman, who had gone to the party, like, only to find someone to blackmail blackmailed him and it went so well that it was caught up by the police mm-hmm. i have not found any information about her that wasn't tied to fatty arbuckle which means i think she was really fucking good at this i was gonna say yeah i think every other time it worked um but yeah and Maud belmont like was a drunk she had had 10 shots after calling the police after finding victoria and then calling the police she apparently did 10 shots during that time uh yeah, and she said that she was raped to death by Fatty Arbuckle and, like, crushed. So, you know, he was blacklisted. The girl had died. Uh, Madame Delmont, I, I think, just drank herself into obscurity forever. And, yeah, he was... Arbuckle was used as a scapegoat so that... Um, Basically, Will Hayes could police Hollywood, and, like, I think this is how uh, the beginning of motion picture ratings came to be. We'll do a whole episode on that in the future. It's really interesting. So friends led by Buster Keaton came forward and paid off the legal fees for Roscoe, and they also sent him on a trip to the Orient so he could forget what had happened, but even there, Arbuckle was constantly reminded about the trial. Uh, Keaton had him be a small part in Sherlock Jr., but the stress the job caused Arbuckle forced Keaton to have Oscar removed, so he just was, like, shaky couldn't really do it anymore but he would go on to direct uh comedy shorts important comedy shorts he remarried uh but got was an alcoholic he opened ross <laughs> he opened a nightclub called roscoe arbuckle's plantation club uh not a great name and yeah i mean oh i mean the motion picture magazine wrote an article on at 10 on the 10th anniversary of the scandal doesn't Fatty Arbuckle deserve a break? Signed by a dozen film stars. They wanted him to come back to the screen. So in 1932, Arbuckle was signed by Jack Warner to star in in six two real comedies. Uh, during this time, Arbuckle married for the third and final time. He finished the last two reelers, and he was signed to a long-term contract. But unfortunately, the next day he died from heart failure after a night of celebrating the contract. Buster Keaton said he died of a broken heart. Certainly Arbuckle had been wronged, but his widow had said that he died in his sleep smiling. And his friends never called him Fatty. I wouldn't call so him Fatty. So yeah, that's the fatty. super downer story of Fatty Arbuckle. Well, at least nobody actually got raped in this one. Yeah, some, yeah. someone just died of a ruptured bladder. Media yeah. Majors, week two, no rape. She should have called two, Poise. no rape. Week two, no rape. And she should have just called Poise. Yeah. Jane, do you have anything to plug? Or play... Yeah. Me. I don't know. As a person. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll plug everything for you, apparently. <laughs> I don't care. I don't know. It's yeah, our no. play. I assumed you'd already mentioned it. Yeah, but we can still plug it. Um, okay. We Friday. 
Jason. Are we going to do it at the same time? No. Okay. <laughs> Friday, November 4th at 9 p.m., Liam and I have a play we wrote and directed called Junk premiering. It's part of the Bad Theater Theater it's part of the Bad Theater Festival, so just Google Bad Theater Festival and you can find out all that stuff. That- We're on a Friday in a really great block of shows, so Yeah. Uh, if you're in the New York area, please St. Peter's out. Theater in Brooklyn. Uh, you run a parody Twitter account? Oh yeah, I run a it's mostly only when Pretty Little Liars is in season, but I run a Pretty Little Liars pretty... <laughs> you run a Twitty Little Liars pretty account. account uh, called at last week on PLL. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, and you have a normal Twitter if you want to plug that. Uh, we can just put that in the post. Cool. Uh, Tom? I write about games. I'm actually really excited about some stuff. I've got some hot leads that I can't quite talk about. Um, I always put up a companion piece to these, and... This week's episode will have a really special companion piece because it will have more and better information because I will the not... show about Tom's shit problems. Oh yep. god, I I I Media Majors is secretly a show to talk about my uh progressive realization that I have IBS. Also, I make analytical videos and games. Check out there your boy go. explains inside. Look out for Jaboy Explains Dead Rising coming up all about the satirical elements in the Dead Rising series and how they succeed and fail. Uh, I do sketch comedy. Jane helps. It's called Boys Night Video. Support us. Haven't done stuff in a while, but... And we also have a fucking awesome new website. Check uh, it out. MediaMajorsCast.com. It's great. I designed it. Yep. It's awesome. And... Yeah, please come see Junk if you can. That would be super cool. Oh, and then we have an email account if you want to, like, email us anything. MediaMajorsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you guys Liam, for listening as thank usual. you for your story. Tom, talking in the third person, thank you for your story and your bowel movements. Jane, thank you for keeping us up with the Kardashians. That's, like, eight thank times. Thank you for having me. Eight times in this episode. And we'll be back next week. Um, I think Eric's gonna come back for another sports story. Oh, I'll be back one day. Yeah, Jane will be back one day. But Eric asked if he can go on again because he found another fun story. Oh, I mean, like, we're working on doing a live episode in D.C. in January. We'll have more information later, but that is, like, 95% sure that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll figure that all out. But we're gonna try to do a live one of these, and it's actually gonna, I think it's gonna be really fun. Yeah, yeah. And remember... We'll be there for you. I feel like if I sing the tune differently, we won't get sued. Oh, that's so cute. You guys do the Seinfeld theme song. <laughs> be there for you.